0: Motorsports
1: Coverage. Here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello everyone and welcome to the Lead Lap show. We are coming to you as always from the WSIC studio in Statesville, North Carolina. My name is Tom Baker and I'm joined in the studio today by Garrett Lowe, who is a racer in the US Legend Car division, but he's also a top sim racer racing in the Coca-Cola E NASCAR series, and we'll talk to him about all of that. Um, but it is, it is usually not um, the way that we start the show, but we have some sad news. And, and I think that we need to take a moment um, and, and talk about uh, Bruton Smith, who is the founder of SMI, Sonic Automotive, uh, and Speedway Children's Charities among other uh, ventures, passed away this week at the age of 95. And this has been a particularly hard week for those uh, in the SMI organization and everyone associated with NASCAR, really. Because when you look at the life that Bruton led and you look at his accomplishments and the impact that Uh, This man had in so many different ways on the lives of so many different people, his philosophy um, on on how he wanted his race events and his racetracks to be operated, which was to provide memories for people that would last a lifetime, Um, his work in the automotive business to build dealerships that were um, just iconic in nature and uh his impact on the lives of countless number countless numbers of children through speedway children's charities um my gosh i mean it it's it's hard to even talk about the scope and the magnitude of what bruton smith started and what he's accomplished in his lifetime and we're all going to miss him we're going to do a bit more of an expansive uh tribute to Bruton Smith on our next lead lap show, but um, uh, prayers and condolences to uh, Marcus Smith and the entire Smith family and everyone associated with SMI and all of uh, the entities that are involved there, all who knew and loved him. Bruton Smith um, is, is no longer with us, but uh, his legend will live on. And with that, we welcome Garrett Lowe to the show and uh, Garrett is really, honestly, and this was um, obviously not a, a a purpose time situation. Garrett just happened to be coming in uh, today for the show. But um, Garrett, you are a kind of proof uh, in at least a small way of Bruton Smith's legacy because uh, racing in the legend cars, that's something that was started by Bruton's organization uh, under the direction of, of Humvee Wheeler. Started U.S. uh, Legend Cars way back, I think in the early 90s is when it all started. But um, you are 20 years old and you're from the Gastonia area. And I'm curious, first of all, um, you said you told me earlier that you had a chance to you have had a chance to meet with Marcus Smith in the past and Graham Smith. Graham is now in charge of U.S. Legend Cars. And um, what are your thoughts uh, on, on the passing of Bruton
0: Smith? It's obviously very sad, and it, it's a huge loss for the motorsports community, um, especially U.S. Legend Cars. Uh, like you said, I mean, he, he was part of the founder uh, of that of that company, and the things that they're doing now are, I think, even more broad than they could have imagined when they started yes. Um And it, they're doing great things internationally as well. Um, but, you know, short track grassroots racing, uh, they've really hit hard and focused on that. Um, I think that's a, a legacy that will continue to live on. Uh, for a long long time
1: yeah i mean when you think about uh, the z max dragway and even the performance motorsports network as part of uh smi's um scope and and uh just uh, uh certainly a very uh sad week uh for all of us okay so at at 20 years old um you are involved still with legends cars and also with the sim but i'm curious how old were you when you started racing and what got you interested in the first place
0: Yes, I was 14 years old when I first started racing uh, Bandolero at Summer Shootout and really just got into it through being at races at Charlotte Motor Speedway with my parents. And I I enjoyed racing and they did too, but we didn't know a way to get into it. And then uh, once we got into it, uh, we started Bandolero racing at 14 Summer Shootout and uh, continued on from there.
1: So, you started racing Bandoleros. I'm curious, what do you remember about the very first race? And was it at the summer shootout?
0: It was at summer shootout. Oh, boy. Um, I remember I didn't qualify good at all. Um, it was my first day at the track. I, I'd to track, be expected, right? Yeah, I did not <laughs> not qualify good. I was probably, like, maybe 10th out of 15 cars. Which It's,
1: it's which, amazing that you actually were 10th out of 15 first yeah. day at the track. Which,
0: for me, I was like, oh, that's not that's not any good. And then people realized, that's not that's not terrible. You've never been in a car before, you know? Exactly. Uh, so, and then I think I charged to the front and finished like fourth. Um, and then the second race, I won. So from there on, it was like. You oh. won
1: your second bandolero
0: race. That's correct. And fourth.
1: Wow. Very nice. So two wins the first year.
0: Yep. And then they made, made me move out of beginners uh, into the outlaw class.
1: <laughs> do you wonder why? <laughs>
0: no, no, not when I was 14 racing with 8 to 12 year olds. Yeah,
1: all the, the little kids uh, were all threatening to walk out if uh, they didn't move you up. So um, you went from there to what, the outlaw class then? Is that back then? Because I don't think they had anything between the two. Um, and how did you do in the outlaws?
0: Uh, struggled a lot because um, it was, uh, you went from restrictor plate and beginners to no plate. Um, so the car yeah. had a lot more power, and you really had to start driving it. Instead of just making the corner, sure. you had to drive the car. Um, and I was not very good the first few weeks. It took me a while to, to kind of get in a rhythm and understand the racing philosophy and the real-world racecraft that I learned on the sim but didn't quite make sense yet to me. Yeah. Uh, and it took me a while to grasp that. But once I grasped it, um performed pretty well. The the weird thing is, is you, you went
1: from, as you said, just having to make sure you make it around the corners and racing with – younger kids so in in a sense in in a very sort of nice sort of way you were the bully for for a few weeks in the in the bandit class and then they moved you up to the outlaws and you kind of caught up to your age but now all those kids had been racing since they were five six seven whatever so they really had way more experience so like you said you had to really then learn the race craft to be able to compete at that level so um I'm sure that was an interesting process for you to go through.
0: Yeah, it it was tough. Um, Honestly, it's probably the, as far as racing goes, it's the toughest thing I've had to learn. Yeah. It was a hard lesson. You don't learn it just by racing. You have to learn it by wrecking and running people over and getting run over. (laughs) Um, It happens, and you don't want it to happen, but once you've had it happen to you, you understand why, and you got to just take your lessons um, and then move on.
1: Yeah. Um, So how long did you run Bandoleros for?
0: I believe I ran until 2018 in the winter 2018. Okay, so about
1: about three years or so. So you were about 17 when you moved to the Legends.
0: Uh, 16.
1: 16. Okay. So again, you moved to the Legends cars. Now, what division did you did you run Young Lions or you went straight to semi
0: pro? Straight to semi pro.
1: Okay. So you went straight to semi pro. And again, running against a lot of drivers who've been doing this for years. What was that transition like for you?
0: It was another difficult transition. Um, Most people, like you said, they go from Outlaws to Young Lions when they first get in a a Legend car. Um, But since I was 16, they made me go to Semi-Pro, which was something at the time I felt okay with because the Young Lion division had a reputation for wrecking (laughs) a lot. Uh, So we wanted to keep the car clean, so we were okay with that. Um, But I was racing against people that are now either in the Truck Series or Arca or doing much bigger things in Legend cars. Um, but they were there at that time, and I was racing against them. And I learned a lot from them, uh, like Gracie Trotter. Um, there's a couple of people that are now in late model stock that I raced against at that time. And it, it took a lot, lot of time to just kind of understand, again, the racecraft. Same thing I had to learn in the outlaw class. Um, so you learn the same lessons over again in every car you get into, um, just in a different manner.
1: Who are some of the other people you were racing against there in some
0: Ah uh, man, there was a lot. I know Gracie Trotter was one. There was Connor Mosack, I believe. Oh wow! Yes, so there's a lot of big and names. See,
1: Connor was just starting. Yes, he started in Legends at 18.
0: Yep, five years
1: or five years old in racing terms, and he just he just ran at Portland in the Xfinity Series for Joe Gibbs Racing and nearly won the race. It's amazing.
0: It is. We traveled with him a lot uh, down to Atlanta Motor Speedway um, when he was first getting into Legend Car. Uh, he was, was still a racing. Uh, the team I'm with, uh, we were in our last season of Bandoleros, our last full year. Okay. Uh, so we would travel a lot with them and go run in Atlanta. Uh, so we had to spend a lot of time with them. So it was really cool.
1: That is cool. Now you've been with Walter Stillwell and, and uh, his group for a while now. What what are those guys like to to race with?
0: Uh, they're awesome. Uh, I owe my entire racing career thus far in the real world to Stillwell Racing with Walter and Jordan. Um, they're obviously great people. Um, but they understand fundamentally you know, what you need to do to make the car go fast. Um, and we've struggled on setup for the last couple of years, and we know it, um, but the last year we picked it up and we found a lot of speed, and now we're contending for wins in the Pro Division every week, which is a, a big accomplishment. What
1: was the biggest thing when you first went to Legends that you had to deal with from the Bandolera in terms of driving approach?
0: Uh, the front bumper. <laughs> uh, honestly, the, the front bumper was the biggest the biggest tool. Um, everyone kept telling me, "Dude, you got to use the you got to use the front bumper. You're, you're never gonna pass someone yeah. at shootout unless they make a mistake without using the front bumper." Um, because bandoleros, you could pass people without using the bumper, and I had learned that it was okay to just drive right by them. And legend cars, sometimes you gotta knock them out of the way a little bit or yeah. just nudge them. Hey, let them know you're here. Um, and that was a lesson that I learned a little bit later into my legend car career. I'd say probably about six months in. Of okay, it's okay to use the bumper and you know move someone out of the way. They're not going to get mad at you if you're faster and you drive away. They're just going to be behind you anyway. So
1: well, they're probably going to get mad at you, but you just can't worry about that. Yeah, it, and you know that's always been one of those things for me. I've always thought legends cars. I think legend cars are the the best training vehicle for a developing driver. And yet I say that, but the one negative to me is that it teaches you that the bumper is an offensive weapon instead of a last resort and you you got, you know, this is why you see, then it goes up into late models and then up into NASCAR. And this is why we get all of, all of that sort of thing going on because that's what we're taught to do in the lower divisions, but that's where we're at. Uh, you, you, you have to do what, you know, what you need to do in order to win is basically where we're at back with more in a minute.
0: Hey, guys, this is Nathan Bird, a.k.a. Birdman, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio.
1: Welcome back to Lead Lap. With us is Garrett Lowe, racer in the U.S. Legend Car Series, but he also is a top racer online, which, of course, as many of you know, uh, during the pandemic, sim racing Basically became mainstream, which I'm I'm excited about because I understand the uh, the benefits of using sim to actually improve your your mental game in the seat. And we've seen that with drivers like William Byron and, and others over the years. Um, and Garrett is a, a good example of someone who's doing both very well. Uh, we'll get back to the Legends car in a minute, but I want to talk about the sim for a moment. First of all, how long have you been iRacing? And then let's talk a little bit about um, how you got from that to actually being drafted and racing in the pro league
0: that NASCAR has. Yeah. So I started iRacing, It was a Christmas slash birthday present um, in late 2014. And I didn't really take it serious at first it was just kind of like i'm gonna have some fun on the weekends run some races and sure. and you know have some, basically a video game to me at the time and then i started getting more involved with it and realized how how developed it was i mean it was crazy how much they had put into this and i would ran at the nascar hall of fame the year before uh, and run their simulators me and my dad would go up there probably every weekend um, <laughs> my mom was working on a national board certification and she needed time at home on saturdays to get work done And so me and my dad were like, all right, well, let's just go 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 to the Hall of Fame. Uh, So I learned to race there and then took it at home and tried to apply it. Um, But like I said, more had fun at first. And then I got into trying to get into the competitive side. And I didn't realize, I guess, how good I was actually at the the time until I had a couple of friends I was racing with. They're like, man, you're, you're really good. You know, maybe you should try to go for pro. And this was probably in 2016. And I, I I ran Pro Series uh, to try to make it into the NASCAR Co-Cola Series. And I didn't make it in. It was more just a trial run. I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I realized that if I put in the effort, I definitely could. Uh, and I tried again in 2017 and missed it by, like, five points. And it was wow. it was close. That was the year they only took the top 10 okay. out of Pro. And you had about 160 guys that were capable. So missed it by a smidge. And 2018 they was 2018, they started Road to Pro. And then I ran the Road to Pro Championship won that, and then moved on to the Pro Series over the winter and finished fifth, I believe, and then transferred into the Coca-Cola Series for 2019. That's
1: incredible. Um, Again, for those in our audience who aren't familiar with sim, talk about what that's like, because I I want people to understand this isn't a video game. It's a sim. It's simulation. And um, the, the challenge and the stress of... Going through that road to pro had to be a, a just enormous because teams that are in that E-Nascar Coca-Cola series spend days during the week. That's basically their deal is is working on the setups and doing all the testing and all of that, right? Just like you would in a big car. Talk about the experience of that. It's not just a hobby.
0: It's not. Um, for some people, it is. And no doubt, that's that's great if they want to do that. But there are also people that are good enough and want to be on the competitive side. Um, and I also I try to basically split the two off. There's the competitive side of iracing, and then there's the I'm having fun with this. Right. And even if you're running official races on you, during the week, you're going to have a mix of both people there. And that's what makes it fun. You got competitive people and people that are there to have fun and try to be fast. Um, but the competitive side is it's a different world. Uh, when you, once you try to make the step into the competitive side it becomes it's stressful, first of all, um, and time-consuming. And you have to know how to work well with people and teammates. Uh, a lot of the back-end teams that I know probably aren't the starlight of the Coca-Cola series are the ones that work on setups with us every week. And, you know, some of these teams have five, six drivers. Some have eight to ten. Wow. So There's a wide variety of people that are, are working together, um, not directly in the light of the series, but during the week that's what they do. Um, and so, like, I'm with Legacy Esports, and we have you know, myself, Ray Alfalo, Vicente Salas, Caden Honeycutt, and Parker Retzloff. So, you know, the five of us work together throughout the week, and we'll have two or three setup builders with us that will help us build setups. Um, and it's, it's probably 2,000 laps, I'd say, at most a week for me is where I try to cap out. I try not to run more than that. Otherwise, you start developing bad habits
1: i I gotta stop you just so I can repeat that for our audience. Two thousand laps of testing, so again, picture you know your favorite NASCAR driver doing two thousand laps of testing every week for the upcoming race and and you know further into the season that's a lot of laps
0: yeah, for a hundred lap race, yeah no less i mean if it was it'd be different if we were running two hundred lap races again, but they've shortened our races down probably by half of what we used to run, which is unfortunate. Um, because I'm a fan of longer races. all My teammates are a fan of longer races. Uh, and the drivers tried to, at the beginning of the year, fight for, hey, can we get the longer races back? We really don't want this. And we were told no. So <laughs> we're stuck with it. Um, we're going to deal with it. But it, it's definitely a big change from you know running 200, 300-mile races to now we're running, you know, we ran 100 laps at Nashville, so we only ran 133 laps or 133 miles. So that's not a long race. No. Um, especially at a track where you're running 30-second lap times or so. So you, you get through in about an hour now um, instead of the mental, I guess, the having the mental strength to make it an hour and a half or two-hour races like we used to.
1: So, But it also changes your approach because you've got half the laps. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, it does. It's not so much of, okay, I'll take care of my car and my tires. It's, i got to go.
0: Yeah, and we've had a lot of wrecks this year and a lot of cautions. I can imagine. Um, because of the increased urgency. I mean, last night we at Nashville, we wrecked on lap one. We went in turn one. Somebody took it three wide and wadded up about five cars.
1: Let's hope that doesn't happen tomorrow in the Cup race. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, that I mean, and again, because people, again, you still do have to make it through lap one. <laughs> and I think some people just get too over anxious. But, but that's a whole different race when you cut the laps in half. It is. Wow, that's a that's crazy. And you've got some very talented drivers that you're working with there. I mean, you know, Parker has done an amazing job. Um, you know, in his short NASCAR career, uh, you know, I feel like he kind of came out of nowhere in some ways, didn't know a lot about him. Um, Caden again, trying to make a name for himself in the truck series, the cars tour, um, has been, I mean, he was 13 points short of winning that championship. Vincente is a tremendous racer and a real classy young guy, too. Um, I mean, you've got some drivers that you're with. Now, who is your what team are you with in that series?
0: Well, uh, Wood Brothers Racing is the sponsor Brothers, okay. and everything. Then they're they're kind of the they overstep everything. They are you know envelope. Um, so I have a on the Wood Brothers side. I have a teammate of Blake Witt in the, oh, okay. in the 16 cars. So every every iRacing team in the series has two cars, yes. um, which which gives you somebody to work with if you want to, if you if you know you're going to work well together. Um, but not everyone works with their teammate. And a lot of teams really, yeah, not, not everyone does. A lot of teams now are starting to pick drivers. um, When you go through free agency that they work on the same setups throughout the week. Um, Others don't mind if you're on different teams. Um, So it's kind of, it's a mixed bag, which makes the racing interesting. You have some people on the same, I say corporate team um, that are on the same Mm -hmm. setups um, and and whether working together on the back end, it's a big change um, from in the past where there were probably 10 teams in the series on the backside where now you have probably five dominant teams.
1: Interesting. Okay, but still, it's a lot of time put into the preparation between races. Um, in in the NASCAR deal, it's not just hey, you know, race night is what was it Tuesday night now? Yeah, Tuesday nights, um, and we just get together and race, and that's it. We don't do not you're, you're just on it all week with that, right?
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of people, especially I, I'm at school at UNC Charlotte, mechanical engineering. Oh, okay. Yeah, in motorsports concentration, a lot of people don't understand when I say, I got a test tonight. They're like, what do, what do you mean? I'm like, I got to run laps. I got to test. I got to figure out what's fastest on the setup for this week and for this race. And that goes over people's heads unless they're into iRacing and they understand um, you know, how deep it is. But no, it, it's not just show up and race on Tuesdays. Yeah, um, It's far from it.
1: There is, as you say, there is a level of that that can be sort of hobby-esque, hobby but you're not there. You know, eNASCAR is a big, what's the the top prize now?
0: I believe $100,000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, so again, for those of you listening, it's serious stuff. It is basically just like being in the seat. You're just not in the seat. That's right. You know, it's really the same mentality, the same approach, the same level of, um you know of of preparation and focus it's it's really kind of incredible how quickly that's grown um and the fact that there are some nights now because the summer shootout the legends cars runs on tuesday there are some nights you'll go ahead and run the legends car and then you're doing basically a bolt because you got to make the sim race
0: yeah um we did this once back in 2020 Uh, With COVID, the schedule was a little weird with shootout where legend cars were run by themselves on a Tuesday. And we're like, oh, we can do it. Let's do it. So we we decided to try to do the double. And the first time, the first attempt was successful. The second attempt, I barely made it. I was about two minutes away from not making qualifying. Wow. So we realized, okay, we can't, we can't do it again. Uh, And so 2021, we just went back to our usual, we run six races, just try to show up and have some fun. And this year, we had the same mentality, show up and do our six races, have some fun. And we're leading points after round two. And, and
1: this is at the shootout.
0: Yes. So this is in the seat, the real deal. Yep. Now what do you do? Well, um, <laughs> I tried to lobby U.S. Legend cars to help us out. And no one really wanted to help. Um, and I just tried to ask around as many people see if, like, hey, you know, can you do this? It'd be great for everyone. Because there's so many stories of, you know, guys that have done the sim yeah. racing that are getting in the real stuff. And it's growing every day. Yep. Uh, like, Ray Alfalo is testing this weekend at Hickory uh, for, oh, for wow. Huffman Racing, which is a great a opportunity. Late model. That's right, yeah. Late model. Good for Ray. So that's a, it's a great opportunity for him uh, and, and more sim to reality stuff. Uh, so I, I was kind of like, hey, can, can we make this happen? You know, I've never been able to do it before. Uh, and Fort Performance Racing School opened up their doors for me uh, to let me use their facility to set up and race, which means I'm only – a hundred yards away from my destination when I get out of the car after the shootout.
1: Yeah, I saw the uh, uh, Ford Performance suit you were wearing last night. Looks really good. Um, so yeah, the, again, sim racing at the level. That Garrett's doing it is very serious business. A hundred grand on the line for the champion of that particular series, the E NASCAR Coca-Cola Pro Series. That's a, it's a pretty amazing deal too. It is really competitive. We're going to step aside more with Garrett when we come back after this.
0: Hey, I'm Howie and You're listening to the Lab Radio.
1: Welcome back to Lead Lap. Tom Baker with you and Garrett Lowe in studio with me. Uh, and we're talking racing. Garrett, uh, 20 years old from Gastonia, North Carolina, and is um, racing both uh, sim racing and also legend car racing. Um, I the, the question I know that a lot of our audience would have is, where does Garrett Lowe go in the seat? From here, is is it a situation where you're, are you, do you have a plan to move up into late models or full size cars at, at any uh, point in time, or is this something where you're content to sort of do the legend car thing and the sim thing, and also because you're juggling, um, I know that's a huge uh, uh, ask of time in the um, in, in the in the college courses there with that uh, major. Um, what is what does your future look like for you?
0: Well, we have a limited late model. Um, we've we got it put together. It's it's almost it's almost on the ground. Um, the engine went to the dyno today, so that's the first big step. Um, and otherwise, outside of getting the car prepared as a chassis and body, um, engine's almost ready. So that's that's a big step. And we're we're gonna run Southeast Limited Late Model Tour. We're gonna try to run about. Four races uh, at the end of this year, uh, specifically the ones that are local or close to us in North Carolina and uh, South Carolina.
1: Very good, and that's a good series too. Um, so good for you on that, and, and glad to hear that you're getting up now. Is that also with uh, Jordan and Walter?
0: Yep, Stillwell Racing.
1: Awesome. Yeah, they. I mean, what t- talk a little bit about again for for those in our audience who don't really know how all this works. Um Stillwell Racing is an arrive and drive kind of program. Talk about what that is.
0: Yeah, so Stillwell Racing uh, basically provides services for legend cars, bandoleros, late models, super trucks. Um, they do a lot. They do a lot of different things. It's kind of crazy how, how vast uh, they can do. But yeah, so so I'm with them. I've been with them since I started racing bandoleros. Um, you know, the driver coaching that they provided for me when I was first starting was fundamental. Um, and me learning the racecraft, and, and not only specific track things like racing at the quarter mile at Charlotte or the fifth mile. Um, but just learning to race with people that have much more experience than me and trying to learn at a rapid pace, um, has been a great tool. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they're doing all the services for our car and I work up there during the summers about three days a week okay. uh, when I can. So I try to be wrenching on cars, uh, when I'm not doing anything else other than racing and sim racing in school.
1: Okay, so I'm, I want you to talk about uh, the, the college situation, too, because, again, um, UNC Charlotte, one of the premier, if not the premier engineering program, mechanical engineering program in the country that, that deals with, you have the motorsports concentration there. Talk about um, what exactly do you learn? What are you learning? I mean, you're uh, what second year, I would guess?
0: I'll be a junior in the fall.
1: Okay, so going into year three. So that's, uh, that's about where I thought. Talk a little bit about uh, what it's been like so far. And, and, you know, if there if there are uh, folks in the audience who are looking at that program, g- give some detail on what they can expect.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the first two years in mechanical, you're more focused on getting your gen eds out of the way. First year is focused, gen, gen eds out of the way. Yeah. And then second year, you get into more engineering, um, learning basically the background information that you need to know of why engineering is the way it is and you know you'll take solids courses where you learn about basically bridges beams you know construction type stuff um but you'll you know you'll we built an air engine um in the machine shop which was probably the coolest thing we've done so far i have a little air engine that turns like five thousand rpm or oh, something wow. uh, so that, that's pretty cool um but yeah you do all kinds of sorts of things that kind of teach you a little bit about everything so that when you get into your junior senior year and you start taking the motorsports classes when they're offered, uh, you can understand, again, why things are the way they are um, and how things work.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really an intense, a lot of math and science in engineering. Yes. So if you're, if you're not good at either of those, you might want to think about a different major. But, um, you know, I've seen drivers graduate and go straight into NASCAR and work for teams and, and have a couple of uh, former driver clients who are doing that as we speak. Um, And one of them who graduated didn't go into the NASCAR route because he was still doing some short track racing himself, didn't want to give up his own racing to work in racing. So he went to work for a a brake company and uh, he's on his second patent now, I think. So it is a a very worthwhile pursuit um, and some amazing professors over there. If you get it, if if it's something you're interested in, I definitely suggest it if you're if you want to work in NASCAR, that's the I think that's the. The easiest way, um, to assure yourself of, of having a, the potential for a great career is, is, you know, working with a NASCAR team on the mechanical side is, is to go and take that program. But, um, how do you juggle? Cause I know that it's pretty intensive and I realize you're out for the summer right now, but how do you juggle all that during the school year with the sim racing? And I know you're not doing a ton of legends racing outside of the shootout, but how do you juggle everything?
0: Uh, no free time. Mostly, uh, it's <laughs> my my priority is sim racing. Unfortunately, okay. it has to be just because of the just how how much there is involved in that uh, to be at the top level. Yeah. So there's a lot of times where yeah I've I've left and gone home to go sim race um, from real racing. I, I've even done it at Winter Nationals. Uh, we were down there in Florida, and I had to I had a friend who lived five miles from the track. I had to borrow his rig to run on a night that we were running at Winter Nationals.
1: And again, rig is. His sim rig, um, the 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 computer, the wheel, the, all of that that helps you to actually. You're not talking about a trailer,
0: right? Yeah, just yeah. his sim setup, just for our yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's a, that's a lingo we all use, you know, in the sim world. Sure. Is, is rig. Um, so yeah, I had to borrow his uh, and do that, and it's not the first time I've had to do that. I've uh,
1: had people actually um, message me and say I'm coming into you know Charlotte or whatever. Do you know anybody who has for the same type of situation over the years, once in a while I get somebody that you know because they can't be at home for theirs. So um, again, I can't I can't emphasize enough how serious this gets at your pro level. It's it's really kind of crazy to think that we've gotten to a place in the world where esports is so big, but it is just a massive industry. And now, am I correct that you guys get paid a salary to race at that level, or no?
0: We do. Yes, we do. Yep. Started. 2019 was a draft year when they first introduced these new corporate teams yeah. coming in to basically sponsor drivers and teams. Um, we didn't get paid that year, which okay. a lot of people were disappointed with. But I think once we got to 2020 and we realized the opportunity that was there because of that, everyone was happy again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're back to we're making money.
1: Yeah, because NASCAR really – I mean it was it was in large part due to – the availability of Sim and how big it was that NASCAR, because before they could come back to the real racetrack, we had a bunch of NASCAR drivers racing, i racing on Fox, and that was kind of what what initiated NASCAR's. They had that whole series of uh, you know people are tuning in by the millions to watch uh, NASCAR drivers race on the Sim. How did that make you feel as someone who who does this basically for a living at this point?
0: Uh, slightly jealous. Well, considering we, we've only had, I believe, one broadcast race on national television so far, I think the 2019 championship race, and we've had talks of TV deals in, in the past, but I don't think anything's panned out to the point of yeah. having multiple races, which would be really cool. Um, but, yeah, having seen those guys, obviously it made me feel good knowing that the – not necessarily common people, but just fans of the sport that don't know about it, are getting a chance to see what it's all about. And that was something that we noticed an uptick in viewership and sponsorship interest. I mean, people really wanted to get involved because they saw how cool it was. Even though, you know, the NASCAR guys were doing it and they weren't necessarily the greatest, they were able to explain it in a way that made sense to everyone. Um, So we were able to build off of that. Now,
1: do you know what Pong is? You ever heard of Pong? Okay. That was my introduction to video games. I am old enough to remember when Pong first came out. And, you know, I had a Pong game and thought it was the most incredible thing ever. And now we're actually um, scanning racetracks. And, again, for, for people who are listening, when you're racing on, on the sim, they, they come with a laser and they scan Hickory Motor Speedway or whatever the track is, and then that's what you race on. It is incredibly realistic, right?
0: It is. I mean, there's, there's racetracks I've been to where – I'll go run 15, 20 laps the day before, especially if it's a track I've never seen before and I Racing has it, I'll go run laps. Even if I don't think it's really going to help me that much, it's worth it to just get a visual reference and yeah. understand. Um, but that goes back to being busy with school. Is like, where do I find time during the week to stop testing for coke? And if I'm going to go to a racetrack I've never been to, how do I make time to make laps that aren't for a competitive reason? Um, so it, it really it gets me really... It, it's hard to put it into perspective for people when they ask how busy I am. Um, because I'm constantly running around like a chicken with its head cut off to make sure (laughs) that I get my schoolwork done on time, that I keep A's and B's, and that, you know, I keep up with the real racing. And obviously, we try to race as much as we can on a budget uh, within reason. And obviously, sponsorship would help us race even more. Um, But, you know, those are obviously hard to come by. So uh, we try to get everything we can get. um, And I just try to juggle as best I can uh, to make sure I, I perform it the top level of everything I do, which is uh, unfortunately it's part of my perfectionist attitude. Um, but so far it hasn't failed me. So I, I think I'll stick with it.
1: It's pretty, again, it's just a crazy thing to think about having to juggle all of that time into a sim, uh situation. But um, when you're getting paid to do it, it is, it is your job. And, and, uh, and gosh, uh, it sure beats working at Wendy's, doesn't it?
0: it? It does. Yes. I've, I've basically been fortunate enough that I've never had to have a, quote real job um and my parents do remind me of that occasionally like you know you get to sim race for a hobby you know you do it for fun but also competitively uh and you don't have to work at wendy's you know
1: you've turned your profession into your pa- your passion into your profession that's
0: right which, which is, is what i'm trying to do with blessing. the real racing yeah. as well because it's something i have a passion for and i want to be involved with it whether i'm driving or i'm being an engineer you know that's, that's the path I'm, I'm going down now um because i I've, I've, i want to do that in the future
1: yeah that's uh It's crazy. Okay, round three of the summer shootout finished up uh, at Charlotte this week. So, real quickly, how did you do in that?
0: Uh, Finished fourth. Um, We had an awful qualifying, but, man, that car was a rocket in the race, and uh, we moved up through the field pretty quick and just couldn't quite get to the leaders there at the end.
1: Yeah, it was was a great run for sure. I was uh, glad to be there to see that, and uh, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we have got one more segment here on the lead lap and one more segment with Garrett. We'll be back to do it right after this.
0: Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio.
1: Welcome back to Lead Lap, our final segment for the week. This show goes by so quickly. I want to thank all of the folks from WSIC uh, for allowing us to host the show here and uh, also, of course, airing it on WSIC's family of stations and WSICnews.com. Um, and uh, just excited about uh, what the future can hold here for this show. We're looking forward to it. Some great guests coming up this week. We have Garrett Lowe. We've been talking with Garrett about his uh, time in legend cars, but also um, on the sim with the e NASCAR. Coca Cola series, and um, I'm curious, uh, what have you learned from the sim that you've been able to successfully transfer to the seat?
0: Well, it, when I first started racing, it was the racecraft. That was the biggest thing I took from um, my racing was learning how to race with other people, um, because coming from you know just a normal kid that played video games growing up, you know sometimes you use up the AI and run them into the wall. Uh, and you got to learn that that's, that's <laughs> in i racing that's not okay, um, and you learn that really quick. Yeah, uh, and if you haven't, you will. So yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's a it's a respect thing that I learned from iRacing. racing, and I think in the real side of things, it was a little bit different. Um, there's a different type of respect. Um, you know, it, it's okay to rub, you know, yeah. and rub fenders and rub bumpers in real life, and on i racing, people were a little skeptical about that. Um, so that that was a big change for me. Um, it goes back to, you know, hey, you got to use the bumper. Yeah. Uh, so so that for me was a, a big change, but also helped me get into the real life.
1: Now, but how do you deal with that? Because in the moment, sometimes it's like running pavement and dirt or running two different kinds of cars. Um, you have a hard time. You got to think about which brain you got to have switched on because every car requires something different. And in this case, it seems like it's the driver etiquette between the sim and Do you ever kind of get in the middle of an iRace or get in the middle of a real race and kind of forget which thing you're doing in the moment and not do the right thing?
0: I haven't done that yet. Um, I've had moments where I've thought about, you know, specifically getting out of the real car and getting right into an iRace is when you've already been in a real-world situation all day. Yeah. And having that respect drilled into your mind. You just – so, like, for instance, last night, ran a 25-lap feature. I moved probably three or four guys out of the way and drove away from them. And – got into the Coke race last night and I was faster than two or three guys. And I was like, well, I can't really give them the bumper, you know, we're, yeah. we're at Nashville. Yeah. So I had to think about that. Um, but it's more of a light switch for me. I, I have yeah. kind of a left brain, right brain thing. And when I'm in the real car, it's here's what I'm doing. I'm doing this. And when I'm in the SIM, it's, you know, that that's out of my mind, which is hard for some people to do. And there's a lot of, a lot of really good real life drivers that struggle on the SIM because they don't have that switch. They can't switch it on and off to bounce back and forth.
1: Now, we again, for those listening, it it's fascinating to talk about how advanced these sim set, these rigs, as you, you call them, um, have gotten for the sim. Now, we've had Casey Kerwin in the studio, um, and Casey still, as he puts it, and it made me laugh because I hadn't thought of it this way races his desk or at least he was at that time right so that's basically the wheel sort of clamped to the desk with the computer monitor on it and all that and there is no sort of sit-in sim rig that he had at least at that time what is your sim rig like
0: i'm kind of the same way professional desk driver <laughs> um yeah i have a about a 60 inch table uh 27 inch triple monitors um g923 <laughs> steering wheel logitech and then Fantech v three pedals um and then a corbo it's more of an aftermarket race car seat Wow, um, but me and my dad have rigged up computer bases, chair bases um pedal bases i mean we we built probably half the stuff that goes with my my sim rig um just because I needed a custom built height for my chair I needed a custom built like length of my pedals, uh-huh. all sorts of different things that. I'd, I'd become accustomed to from either being in the real car or being on iRacing at home with my previous setup. Um, I, we tried to mimic as close as we could of where everything was, uh, especially when I made a change from Logitech pedals to Fanatech pedals. Obviously, the height difference and the, and the throw in the pedals are different. So uh, we did a lot of that on our own um, to try to get as close to comfort as I can be.
1: So you basically have the chair and the desk but you've modified it and you've you've created some some extra sort of placement help so that everything stays exactly where you want it as opposed to just going out and buying the adjustable full sim rig you've kind of done a lot of the built in a lot of the adjustability just through you're, you and your dad's ability to engineer it, right? Which is why you're in school, by the way.
0: It is. It is. And, and a lot of the time we've done we've done things where we just, oh, we're going to upgrade this. Okay. All right. Well, this requires us to do X and Y. So we'll be, okay, we'll make a plan to do this. And so, you know, we'll spend a week, you know, planning out how we want to put in the pedals. And then, especially where I have a setup at home that I race on at uh, for the Coca-Cola series, and then I also have like a smaller setup in my dorm room to practice on because I can't just drive home every day from school. Right. That's, a, that's an hour commute that I don't want to have to deal with. Yeah, really. Um, so we we decided it was it was worth it to have two sim rigs. I say, um, but really it's it's one primary and yeah. the alternate. Um, but we we've had to build two different types because my dorm room's different dimensions and I can't fit what I fit <laughs> at home in my dorm room. Uh, so me and my dad have had to do some backyard engineering. And a lot of it, uh, there are times where over the winter, I would drive home on a, a Wednesday night and we would spend four or five hours putting together a pedal base to make sure it worked. <laughs> and then I would drive back to school, and make sure it worked that night and get out the next morning, and go to class. Uh, wow. So it, it's all about squeezing in things. And, and my dad's obviously, he's really good with just building things just to make it work for what you need. Sure. Um, not necessarily going out and building a building. Although he, he likes to do that too, I think. But, um, but yeah, so he does a pretty good job. Um, and my mom's just like, all right, well, y'all do your thing. Go, go have fun. Uh, she's always supportive, but obviously she doesn't know right. what, what I need right. because it's very specific things that over the years, you know, we've been doing this for six years on sure. iRacing. And there's certain things when I say, hey, I just, I need a little bit more distance between me and the throttle pedal. And my dad knows what to do to make that happen.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So we got about a minute left. Who would you like to thank?
0: First off, I got to thank Stoil Racing, uh, Walter Jordan, Ben, everybody there that's done a, a fantastic job over the years to help me just to be a good driver uh, and provide me with quality race cars. And then everybody at Full Performance Racing School, uh, Dan, Matt, Brian, uh, all those guys, they provide driver coaching, um, more track time, and sponsorship that has basically made me the best driver on the track uh, the last four weeks. we've We've been really good, and I can't thank them enough. Uh, for all that they've done uh, over the last two years and obviously we won a national championship and part of the reason is because of them uh they did such a great job with getting us a little more knowledge on the road course stuff we were missing a little bit and they're like hey maybe you think this would help yeah Uh, and that did a lot for us uh dallas electrical contractors as well Uh, my parents grandparents uh, my whole family that supports this whole racing thing Um, and we're just gonna keep climbing up the ladder slowly Garrett
1: Lowe has been our guest on Lead Lap today, and uh, you can follow Garrett where?
0: On Facebook at Garrett Low Racing, Twitter at Garrett Low underscore six, and Instagram at Garrett Low Racing.
1: All right, and that'll wrap it up for this week's Lead Lap. We appreciate all of you joining us here on WSIC and our various affiliates around the world. I'm Tom Baker. Have a blessed week, everybody.
0: So long. You've been listening to the Lead Lap Show. Home to Southeast Motorsports coverage on the radio. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Lead Lab Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter,
1: and YouTube. And visit leadlapshow.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of the Lead Lab Show. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner
0: without the expressed written consent of the Lead Lab Show. Thank you for listening.